Um, our comfort zone can be the very same thing that kills us, kills relationships, that kills some of our goals, kills some of our, our dreams. Um, and, and a lot of leaders always ask me, well, what is that comfort zone? And, and I tell them easy, it's your excuse. This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 185. What's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Doug Smith, and I'm the founder of L3 Leadership. In this episode, you're going to get to hear my interview with Ramsey personality, Anthony O'Neill. Anthony currently helps thousands of students all over the nation make good decisions with their money, their relationships, and their lives. And in the interview, you'll hear Anthony share his story, which I think will inspire you greatly. He was 19 years old, $25,000 in debt, and he ended up being homeless. And you'll hear him talk about how he got to that position in life and then also how he got out. We talk about his advice to parents. We talk about what lessons he's learned while working for Dave Ramsey and so much more you're going to love this interview and you're going to love Anthony. But first, just a few announcements. I want to encourage all of you to become members of L3 Leadership. Why? Because I believe that every leader needs a community of leaders around them that will encourage them, challenge them, and hold them accountable. And that's exactly what we provide here at L3 Leadership. When you become a member, you'll have the ability to join one of our mastermind groups. You'll have access to our community of over 100 leaders and access to the tools and resources you need to take your life and leadership to the next level. For more information about membership, go to l3leadership.org forward slash membership. I also want to thank our sponsor, Alex Tulandon, who's a full-time realtor with Keller Williams Realty. If you're looking to buy or sell a house in the Pittsburgh market, Alex is your guy. He is a member and a supporter of L3 Leadership, and he would love the opportunity to connect with you. You can find out more about Alex and connect with him at pittsburghpropertyshowcase.com. With that being said, let's dive right into my interview with Anthony. Enjoy, and I'll be back at the end with a few announcements. Well, hey, thank you so much, Anthony, for being willing to do this interview. And let's just start off with you just telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Anthony O'Neill, a part of the Ramsey Speaker Team here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and I am the uh, teen and millennial uh, expert when it comes to just really helping young people transition from high school into college and to college into the real world. And we really focus on just setting down a solid platform, a solid foundation for them getting into the real world. So, you know, high school students may go off to college um, or they may go into the military or they may just get into the workforce. Uh, we don't know. But my goal is to really help young people people and millennials build a solid foundation going into their future around finances, around maybe their spiritual walk, um, around entrepreneurship, business, college, you name it. I just want to help them create a solid start to their life. Yeah. So you have the opportunity to influence literally youth all over the nation. But if you go back to where you were at that point in your life, uh, it didn't look like you were going to have the trajectory that you're on today. Can you talk about where you were when you were a teenager? I think a lot of people would be surprised uh, to hear your story. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> graduated high school um, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, went out to San Diego, California to live with my parents. Actually, to be to be honest, it was Oceanside, California, but I always say San Diego because it's San Diego County. Um, got into school um, and was just excited to be out on my own. You know, my parents taught me everything um, from a spiritual perspective. Um, I was sheltered um, at the home and I just wanted to be free. Um, I wanted to blend in with uh, my peers. I wanted to be cool and accepted. Um, and one thing that uh, the only thing that was really taught to me about finances was, hey, go to, go- go to college, um, get a good job and get a good credit score, get some credit cards to get a good credit score and keep it, you know, at that time they say a 620 or a higher was the best score. Um, and so that's what I did. You know, I went to a good school, <laughs> I got a job, um, and I went out and applied for credit cards. And to make a long story short, 
uh, before I even turned 19. So I was 18 graduating high school before I turned 19. I was $25,000 in debt. It was about $15,000 in credit card debt and then $10,000 in furniture debt um, and homeless sleeping in the back of my car because of some crazy decisions that I made. Wow, that's 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 crazy. So, not only how did you get there, but how did you get out of that situation? Well, you know, my father, man, uh, my father knew he knew what was going on. So the reason why I became homeless is because <clears throat> I called myself a grown man at the time. Every young person that I've met that I've met, um, they've said, "Hey, you know, I'm a grown person." And, and there's there's a definition between a grown man and a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, I was a young man trying to become a grown man. Um, so my dad says, since you believe you're a, a grown man, you're going to go out there and live on your own. Wow. When I got kicked out of school, when I lost my job and I lost my apartment, my dad said, you're not going to come home. You're going to go out there. And that was the best thing that my dad ever gave me um, because he gave me experience at that time. And my father knew, you know, he was tracking me and making sure that I was safe. Um, he was making sure that I was living, um, but he was also making sure that I was learning from my mistakes. And so uh, my dad invited me to come back home after a while. And he literally set me down and he gave me a Dave Ramsey budget form. Um, and he said, hey, you're going to list out all of your debt and you're going to list everything here and you're going to get a job and you have six months to a year to get yourself back on your feet. You're going to sacrifice. I expect to not see you out with your friends. If you got to work two jobs, boy, you better work two jobs. Um, and I, when I got my first job, my real quote unquote job working at the ARS, um, collection agency there in Carlsbad, um, California, collecting other people's money when I owed money. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, so now um, were you one of those collectors that, I mean, I had collectors call me way back and yeah, yeah. literally I thought the SWAT yes. team was going to show up at my house. Yes. I was one of those collectors. I'm I'm not going to lie, man. I would (laughs) forgive my old days, man. But, you know, I was, I was, I was yelling at people. I was, uh, I was threatening people. Um, I remember calling neighbors and embarrassing people. Um, and I regret those days, man. Um, you know, but, uh, do they train you to do that just out of curiosity? Um, they don't train you to threaten people, but they do, they do train you. They call it, um, skipping. And that's like, we're going to skip around you to see exactly how we could find you. Um, and, uh, we will find, we'll find your neighbors. So if I know you live at 850 Carissa Drive, I'm going to look up 848 Carissa Drive, find that number on the internet, call them and say, Hey, your neighbor owes this amount of money. If we come out there, they train us how to find you, uh, but they do not train us how to, how to harass you. That's from the collector. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And so I, I'm sure it took a lot of courage for your dad to get to the point where he said, Hey, you, if you think you're a man, go for it, but you're yeah. on your own. Can you, well, one, how, how did that make you feel as his yeah. son? And then I'm just curious, uh, you know, obviously looking back, you said it was one of the best things he did. Can you talk about what that did for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> When my dad said that, I thought I thought that my parents had abandoned me. Hmm. You know, my peers had abandoned me. The girls that I spent all the money on had left me hanging. Um, you know, I'm a spiritual person, so I was just like, "Wow, God, now my parents going to abandon me? Are you going to abandon me too?" And so it let me at a very low point um, in my life. And um, but again, I, I just find when you when you're lower, you all you can do is just see higher. You can't see any more lower. Hmm. So uh, for me, I, I really enjoyed that season. Now, now when I was living in it, (laughs) uh, it was not fun um, because I didn't have anyone and I felt like I was by myself. 
But during that season, I had the opportunity to really sit back and to just really think and to process things and, and examine my life, examine the decisions that I've made. Um, and that really helped me to mature as a young man at that present time. Um, and, and the reason why I said that was the best thing my father could have ever done, because my father taught me how to be a man. Hmm. with that decision. If he would allow me to come home, he would have taught me that it's okay to make mistakes and come home. But a man can't come come home all the time when he makes mistakes. Um, and at that time, that's what I learned. And so now um, at the age that I'm at, at 33 years old, when I did move out, when I was about 21, when I left the house, I've never been back home. Hmm. Um, and I've always been able to survive. Um, I didn't make all the right decisions there, but when I made a decision that Maybe sometimes, honestly, had my lights got cut off at one time when I was 21, 22, because I wasn't being a good steward at the time of my money. Um, I, I was able to, okay, you know what? You made this decision. You need to fix it. And that's, that's because my father instilled that into me as a young man. Yeah. So as you influence all these youth, I'm, I'm just curious, what advice do you have for parents out there that may have a, a young Anthony at home yeah. um, or a challenging situation, or maybe a situation where their, their kid has already left the house and is making really poor decisions and, and they just spend every day on their knees praying for them. What advice would you give to those parents? You know, it, it all depends. If I'm talking to a mother, I say, man, the best thing you can do from a mom is just love and pray. If I'm talking to a father and he's raising up, um, you know, a young man, teach him how to be a man. If you're if you're a lady, if you're a mother, teach your daughter how to be how to be a woman. Um, and I would definitely say, you know, the Bible says train up a child in the way that he or she should go. It's in the book of Proverbs. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Train them up. Once they become older and wiser and a young adult, hey, just be just guide them. Don't 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 feed them everything. Guide them. Let them make mistakes. Let them fall. And when they fall, hey, help them up. Don't pick them up. When I say help them up, as far as in just, you know, hey, be there for them and make sure that they feel the pain uh, because my father didn't pick me up and pay off all my debt and do this. No, he helped me back up. He said, hey, son, hey, I'm going to give you a place to stay, but you're going to pay the bills. I'm going to help you during this time. And I think that's something important for parents when you're dealing with a young kid who's out of high school and, and starting to experience life. Guide them on a journey. Give them wisdom. Uh, but don't make all their decisions. Don't don't fix all their problems. Um, guide them along the way and make sure that they're not hurting their life from a physical perspective, mm. but make sure that they do feel the pain from you know their actions. Yeah. So in your work with youth, you created a resource and you wrote a book called The Graduate Survival Guide, Five Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make in College. And I'm just curious, can you give us maybe one or two of those mistakes and and what college kids or high school kids can do to avoid them? Yeah. The number one mistake that I really love out of that book is having no plan. You know, I think that this generation is not big at really writing their vision on paper uh, when it comes to their money, when it comes to their life. And one thing I'm very big on when, as I'm traveling around the country in high schools and especially colleges with, with millennials is, hey, before you even really jump on a budget, I want you to jump on your vision. Like, I really want you to write down where you want to go and then boom, make sure that your budget is matching where you want to go. So if you want to co graduate college debt free, make sure that that's written down on your vision that you see every single day. Then also your budget is matching at what are you doing? Are you saving? Are you paying off your student loans that maybe you've taken out? Are you uh, 
trying to figure out how to cash flow your way through. That's one thing that is very, very big to me that your written plan for your life and your budget is congruent and it's working hand in hand, it's working together. Um, and then number two is really avoid debt. And when I say avoid debt, I'm talking about all debt, credit cards, student loans, um, and just really focus on establishing that healthy point of your life to where, hey, you're paying everything cash. You have a written plan. You're saving for your future. Um, one thing that I'm doing, I'm mentoring a couple of students right now uh, that are in college and I meet with them once a month. And we're always talking about, okay, where are you at now and where are you going? Uh, one of the students that I'm mentoring, she has set aside about $5,500 cash and she's a sophomore with absolutely no debt. Wow. So by, by the time she graduates college, uh, she's going to have about $15,000 in her savings account because every single day she's looking up grants and scholarships. Um, every single day she's going to work and she's focusing on her career. So we all know Dave's baby step, baby step number three is have three to six months of your expenses and then baby steps four, five, six, and seven, you can do all together. So when she graduates college, she has $15,000 in her savings account and then now she could jump into, she can go out there and purchase a home if she wants and she's only 21, 22 years old. That is a healthy foundation for your life. And that's one thing that I'm really trying to teach all these young people like, hey, Think about where you're going. Don't think about just today. And 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 she'll tell you. Like if you interviewed her one day, she'll tell you like, hey, I hate this. It's, it hurts. It's not fun. <laughs> I got to work. I got to spend time, but I'm looking forward to my future. Yeah. So people can obviously pick up the book on Amazon. I'll include links to every, on the show notes for that. Yes, but how else can people connect with you if they want to learn more about you or maybe have them come to your, uh, you come to their school, et cetera? How yeah. can people connect? I would love to come to their school, colleges. They can connect with me on anthonyoneal.com um, or at anthonyoneal on all social media platforms. Love it. I'll include links to all of that as well. Uh, I want to continue on your personal journey. So uh, after you got your life together, you uh, it turns out you ended up growing one of the biggest youth ministries in the nation. Yeah. Yeah. You were speaking all over the place. And, and I don't know exactly what happened, but you end up uh, getting a job at Ramsey Solutions. And I'm just yeah. curious from that jump. I mean, obviously it sounds like you had something great going for you. Yeah. And then you have this opportunity with Ramsey Solutions. Can you talk about that jump? Was that Ooh. one of those situations where you had to give up to go up? Yeah. Was it hard? Uh, yeah. Talk about that. Um, transfer, um, transitioning from full-time ministry um, in my culture, uh, I would say that was my comfort zone. And then coming here to work with Ramsey Solutions, um, it, it was definitely stepping outside of my comfort zone. Um, probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life, um, still to today. I mean, literally wow. today, I'm still learning and growing uh, with this experience. Um, would I say I, I had to sacrifice something to go up? Um, I, I don't believe... Um, yeah, I did. I did. I did have to sacrifice a lot of things. Um, because working with myself, it was really just not really me. Cause I still had to report to my senior pastor and that board there. Um, but at the same time now the Anthony O'Neill brand is much bigger than just me. You know, I represent, um, a phenomenal guy in Dave Ramsey. I represent a great organization. Um, but I think the most difficult thing for me to to sacrifice was my comfort. Hmm. Uh, there wasn't a, a restaurant in Jacksonville, Florida that I could not walk into and have a free meal. Um, there wasn't a school that I, I couldn't walk into and just walk in and just talk to anybody at any time. Um, and so to come here, um, to enter into a new culture, um, yeah, it, it was it was difficult. But 
the very best decision I've ever made in my life. Because I don't believe if, if you're not growing, if you're not willing to step outside of your comfort zone, you can't grow. And the thing is, I could have stayed there and preached for a number of churches that I've never preached for before that are highly respected in that culture. But I, I, I call myself, that's just a circle. I want to go up. I don't want to just stay in the same circle. I want to go up. And as I'm going up, I want to impact a lot of people. So I would definitely say it was a great, great experience. And how long have you been on, on staff with Ramsey Solutions now? Going on three years, man. June wow. 8th of this year will be uh, three years with this phenomenal organization. So it's been three years of, of uh, enormous growth in your life. I'm just curious, what are, what are the biggest lessons that you've learned about business and leadership as a result of being on staff there? Yeah, one of the one of the biggest things that I've learned about uh, since being here and still learning to today, man, is is communication. That's something I've really been big on a lot. Uh, just teaching myself, teaching my teaching young people. Um, it's just communication is very very key, um, and understanding different perspectives and having a, a a bigger bigger look than yours. One thing I love about Dave is that he sees the big picture. He understands everyone has different experiences. They all go through different things, but what they're going through is them. And he just knows how to hear it and then communicate well out to everyone else. And that's one thing that I'm really picking up and picking up on. And I think every good leader has to really understand how to communicate um, to everyone, not just to their particular way. Yeah. It's interesting. You're the fourth Ramsey personality I've interviewed and I've asked everyone that question and literally communication has been the answer for everyone. Uh, it's just the, the consistent communication, the clear communication that Dave and the team provides. Uh, yeah. Wow. What a culture. Yeah. I love it. Briefly, I haven't when even I, listened to the other, other shows. So to hear that we're all on the same page, I love that. Yeah. Uh, I briefly want to talk to you about speaking because you're a phenomenal speaker and I'll just leave this open-ended, but what, what advice do you have for public speakers out there? And do you have any, any certain scripts or routines of what you try to put into a talk? For instance, do you try to do a third research, a third humor, a third stories? I'm just curious, what advice do you have for, for people who want to get into speaking? So my, my advice is going to be different in this, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I don't have a system that I do when it comes to my speaking. Um, the very first thing that I tell people who ask me this all the time is be you. Hmm. Like, really be you. Uh, be authentic to you. Um, since I've been on this show, I probably uh, pronounce some wor- words wrong. Um, and I think sometimes we could try to be perfect all the time. And I believe that you are called uh, to reach certain people and certain people, will, those certain people will understand who you are and you will be able to relate to them better. So I tell everyone is, hey, don't focus so much on your flaws. Focus on what you're really, really good at. And while you're focusing on that, yes, work on your flaws and become better, but be comfortable with who you are. Um, then when it comes to my talks, man, I a lot of my talks come from what I experience in life. I, I really don't, I hardly sit down and just write a whole talk. I could be riding in a car and I can be experiencing something like my, it's that serious talk. For an example, um, a lot of high schools and colleges call and ask me for the, it's that serious talk. And that all came from the gym. I literally wrote that whole talk in the gym, watching a young lady on the elliptical machine. And she said one thing to me, it's that serious. And I mean, I literally came away with three talking points, uh, came back and of course polished it up. But in a matter of five minutes of me doing what I naturally do, um, I had a whole talk. And so um, that's something that I, that I, I naturally do. Um, like for an example, stop looking, but go get it. That's one of my talks that I, I've, I've 
come up with um, recently that a lot of um, um, singles like the churches bring me out for, you know, uh, just the spiritual side. So I won't go into that much, but it, it's, I just really look for things that is naturally around me. And then, of course, and I'll come back and just make sure I polish, get a nice little intro, um, get a nice little outro. But the, here's one thing that I, I tell all speakers that some speakers do not do well, uh, which kind of bothers me a little bit, is make sure that you have you leave a little bit of breathing room in your talk to feel and engage with the audience. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking and your audience, if your talk has no room for breathing to where you can really expound on something that your audience is really feeling, then you're, you're just yelling at them. You're just lecturing them. It's not really a good vibe. And so for me, I leave a lot of room in my talks actually to just, um, just so I can have a good time with the audience, see what they like, see what they don't like. If they don't like it, I move on. If they do like it, then I just, I park right there for a little bit. I get out of the car and we just going to have a talk. <laughs> so that's just what I really do. Um, and then when I'm preaching, of course, I'm, I'm a spiritual guy. I spend some time with the Lord and just really hear what he wants me to say to his people on Sundays. But when it's just a school or corporate, I really try to see what's around me. Some of the best talks I've ever done for high schools and colleges is this. I wrote all of my talks for high schoolers and colleges in the high school and college. Hmm. Because it's like I'm around them. So if I'm trying to reach a certain audience and I've never been around that audience, I can't talk to them because I don't know them. I don't know what they're experiencing. So that's one thing that I do do when I'm looking to write new talks for high schools. I'll literally go volunteer at a high school, be a janitor for a day or two. Um, and I've done that recently. And I just see what kids are going through. I see what kids, kids are experiencing. And, you know, they'll come up to me and say, hey, Mr. Anthony, hey, let me ask you this question. And I, they'll ask me a question. That question now becomes a talk. Because I'm in their world, I'm in their space, I'm seeing what's going on, boom. And so I, I tell people that if you're going to write a talk for someone, make sure that you, you know who you're talking to. Yeah. I want to I jump into the what I call the lightning round. It's just a bunch of fun little questions. And just to start off, just to piggyback on what you were saying, I'm just curious, what is God teaching you right now? Uh, God is teaching me patience and how to be quiet. What are you learning? <laughs> uh, um, I need both of those. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Patience is for me. Uh, I'm a go-getter. And so uh, sometimes, um, uh, to be honest, you know, when you was work- when I was working by myself, I didn't have to wait on a lot of people. Um, coming here, um, you know, I got to wait. You know, it's a, it's a different process. When it's just me, I can just go, 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 go. When it's here, you have a you, we have a team of excellence. So, um, we want things to be perfect and I love it. And sometimes I can be like, God, I just want to do this. And, uh, he was like, no, you need to be patient because I'm trying to make you better. And this team is going to make you better. So sit still. And so, um, I'm learning that. And then sometimes I just, I don't have to say certain things. I could just be quiet and just let that things just flow. And so that's one thing literally right now, jazz that because I was praying about that this morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, what, how do I do that? You know? And he was just like, the be quiet part is easy. Just keep your mouth closed. The patience part, that that's that will take some time. And so those are two things that God has really worked with me on. It's just patience and just just be quiet. What what's one belief or quote that's changed your life? What's one belief or quote that has changed my life? Oh man, you are the man.com. I really like you. We could do this show all the time because <laughs> I literally just wrote it down. Hold on. Uh, I'm about to get it for you right now. Um, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Um, y'all bear with me. I know this is a podcast. Uh, edit this pause out. Start with your beliefs, 
which will lead your thoughts, which will create your actions, which will produce your results. And sometimes we go for, we start at the latter. We look for what is the end result that we want and then produce for that. When this quote just really hit me, like, hey, start with what you firmly believe in. If you start from the internal, it will it will just really flourish on the external. And sometimes we look for the external and we try to figure out how to make it internal. What's the best purchase you've made in the last year for $100 or less? The best purchase for $100 or less. The best purchase. I would probably say in the last year was something I really haven't done, um, but I bought one of my team members. She was going through some stress and I went and bought her a $75 gift card. And when I gave it to her, she started crying. Hmm. That was the best purchase that I bought for $100 a year or less. Other than your own book, what what's the number one book you find yourself giving away to people? Other than my own book, what's the number one book that I've given away? You're going to get me in trouble, but it's all good. Rachel Cruz, love your life, not theirs. Oh, I give yeah. it away for free. I'm like, yo, because I just want people <laughs> to live, like, enjoy your life, <laughs> you know, not theirs. And that's that's what the number one book that I'm I'm really giving out right now. I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but if you do, what's your favorite podcast right now? Hold on a minute. I'll tell you. I was listening to it last night. I want to make sure I say it correctly um, because this podcast has been blessing um, uh, millennial money. Hmm. Yeah. I'll say that. And then the other one is called Death, Sex, and Money. And I like it from the perspective of uh, the money things. It's pretty cool. If you could go back and have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you tell him? The 20 year old self or 19, whenever. She, yeah. 20 year old self. 19. Stop. That's all I would tell him. Hmm. Stop. Yeah. I, I would just tell him stop. Stop. Yeah. It's good. So on the other end of your life, one day looking back, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And what do you want your legacy to be? Um, on my deathbed, that's a good question. Someone just asked me this at the church the other day. On my deathbed, I went, um, you know, I came into this world crying. I had a big head and my mom was crying and she had tears of joy. And um, I said, on my deathbed, man, I, I want to reverse that. You know, I want to be smiling. Um, I want to be smiling, looking at my my wife, looking at my kids. Uh, looking at my kids, kids, kids. Um, and I, I, I want them to see their father, grandfather, great-grandfather um, transitioning off to heaven. And I want them to say, he did a great job. Well done. Uh, because I didn't leave them with any debt. I left them with wealth. I left them with knowledge. I left them with wisdom. I left them with um, love. Um and I just want them to say that hey, this was an imperfect man that just had a heart and passion to love people. And so um, it, it was just a positive. That's just really what I want them to see. It's not a not a perfect man. Not that he had all the um, all the potential. I just want them to say, you know what? Well done, pops. Well done, my husband. And I just want to be smiling at them. I don't want tears. I don't want to be crying. I want to be smiling because I know I did the very best I can. Um, as a man and as a husband and as a father and as a grandfather. And so um, some people crying when they're dying. I want to be smiling and laughing when I'm dying. Great. And as we, as we wrap up, I'm just, I'll just leave an open-ended question, but any advice you want to leave for leaders today? 
Yeah, leaders, Matt, be you. Uh, be you, be open. Um, and it, one thing that I'm very, very big on is just really stepping outside of your comfort zone uh, because um, our comfort zone can be the very same thing that kills us, kills relationships, that kills some of our goals, kills some of our, our dreams. Um, and, and a lot of leaders always ask me, well, what is that comfort zone? And, and I tell them, easy, it's your excuse. You know, it's whatever, whatever you say. Um, so one thing I will definitely say with leaders is don't allow your comfort zone to become your kill zone. Stretch yourself. Um, it's going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to probably ask yourself, does this make sense for, my, for me, for my company, for what I'm trying to do? Um, and, um, and just try something. You know, Dave told us something a while ago. He said, hey, make gumbo. And gumbo is it's just a it's just a mixture of a lot of different things and a lot of different things that you can't even see and a lot of different things that probably doesn't even make that much sense. Um, but if you're only focused on the sausage and the chili inside of your dish, eh, what about the salt? What about the pepper? What about the onions? What about the things that does not that is not visual, but that does make a better dish? So step step outside your comfort zone. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Anthony. Appreciate it, and I uh, look forward to doing this again one day. Thank you, man. You rock, man. Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our interview with Anthony O'Neill. You can find ways to connect with him and links to everything that we discussed in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 185. I want to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers. They're a jeweler owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. My wife, Laura, and I got our engagement and our wedding rings through Henny Jewelers, and we just think they're an incredible organization. Not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. In fact, they give every engaged couple a book to help them prepare for their marriage, and we just love that. So if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. I don't take one of you for granted, and it would mean the world to me if you enjoy this podcast, if you would subscribe and leave a rating and review or share on social media and help us get the word out about it. It really does mean a lot to us, so thank you for that in advance. And if you want to stay up to date with everything we're doing here at L3 Leadership, you can simply sign up for our email list at l3leadership.org. As always, I like to end with a quote, and I'll quote Rick Warren today, and he said this. He said, a small step of progression is a thousand times better than a delayed step of perfection. Perfectionism procrastinates and paralyzes progress. I love that. Just start taking small steps. Thanks for listening and being a part of L3 Leadership. Laura and I appreciate you so much, and we will talk to you next episode. (music) 